enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Tim. That's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together. We talk about a different movie from the horror genre, from your well-known classics down to that rare gem that just got its license yesterday, the back <laughs> of your video store shelf. This week, Tim and I, thank you, going down under 2009, The Loved Ones. Tim, did you... Did you like school dances? And were you ever rejected by uh, someone you wanted to go with? Oh, that's funny. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I, I'm like, Tim is a guy who carefully curates. <laughs> He's not, you're not just going blind into a, will you go to the dance with me? No, sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it's. But did you like school dances? I did. No, that I did. Did um, you ever turn anyone down? No, in fact, not only did I not turn somebody smart down out there, no, not I, I did not. In fact, I even took somebody to a dance as a favor. Um, I was in uh, I had taken a, a math class and uh, which was grade wise, at least a complete failure. <laughs> and so I dropped down in what we call tracks. <laughs> To what was essentially like, you know, farm animals and, and infants. And uh, was in track three, algebra. Um, and so I was a, that would have made me a sophomore because I failed it as a freshman. And there was a girl in that class and her friend came up to me and she said, hey, they were both in the class together. And she said, hey, um, this friend of mine doesn't have anybody to take her to the dance. Um, will you take her? Um, she she likes you and, and she wish wishes that you would ask her. Yeah. And I thought the girl was fine enough. Like, I mean, she she was funny and and charismatic. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. But not only did I agree to take this um, essentially stranger to the dance, but her family even insisted that I like come out to their house for dinner. Jeez. Beforehand, so I don't. I'm not dating her. I don't know her, and I go to her family's house for tamales, and um, her dad's there, and her mom, and her little brother, and I had to like eat dinner and hang out with her family. I had never even talked. And at to some her. point in dinner, where you're like, "What is your name again?" Yeah, exactly. Like just waiting for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre dinner to start, and uh, so. But she, I, she was nice enough, and um, so I agreed to take her. It was very cute. I didn't have my driver's license at the time because I was 15, and my sister dressed up in a black and white checkered skirt, a white button-down shirt, and bow tie, and acted as a chauffeur, yeah. like actually even dressed up for it, which is very great. cute image yes <laughs> sorry i'm gonna perv on your sister for a minute yeah. but she's she's very pretty she's, she's very, very pretty yeah. and uh runs in the family and um so your mom is hot i agree yeah, so um so you know it was it was a nice setup and uh i i like dances because i like getting dressed up well i took this girl to the dance and um she did, was too nervous to dance so we literally did not dance at all we just <laughs> went there and like stood off to the side um, and then, uh, and, and that was it now years later, uh, no, no, uh, wow. years, years later, uh, 
uh, like, well, maybe two years later, I was walking uh, in my neighborhood and her mom was mowing somebody's lawn, not her lawn, but I guess that's how she made extra money. Uh-huh. And she turned off the mower and she stopped me and she said, hey, I just want to tell you, thank you uh, for taking my daughter to the dance. That was really nice of you to do that. And I and I kind of felt awkward because it's almost like she's saying, like, thank you for taking my like reject of a daughter <laughs> right, to the yeah. dance. So which I mean, I, I think we she's still just talk nice. about it to this day. <laughs> It's the only greatest thing it, that ever happened to her. Only making it creepier. But um but it was nice and and I I like the dances. I like, you know, I love fashion, so I love, you know, picking a suit and putting together an outfit. I think for that dance I wore it was a tobacco colored suit with like a like a plum colored shirt and of course it was the 90s wow, so it had remember? Yeah, so it was that really like 90s like splash of color all over the place like super sheeny tie, yeah. you know. Um, and, uh, I, I like putting together the outfits. Um, I, I love to dance. I love music. Um, so yeah, the whole thing is really cool. In fact, I even went to a school dance where the, my date actually also wore a suit. Um, so she wore this, like, like we, you know, stole clothes from the theater Yeah, and she wore this like long suit coat with tails and a bow tie and everything. And so we both had like these like tuxedos on, on, you know, very cool. Um, no, I love dances. I really do. And, and part of that is, and it's part of the reason why I like this movie so much. I have always had a thing for like the teenage experience. Like, I think it's because I have such a, a lust for life and like the excitement of life and, And whereas a lot of people, as they go through their lives, will kind of like slow down and settle into their life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I love the vitality of those teenage years. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I uh, I am thrilled by them. And I would imagine that you are, too, because you you also, you know, you you like music, you like rhythm, you like to dance. Yeah. Um, So I would. And you're a social guy. And you were one of those guys in high school that that uh, knew everybody and was friends with everybody. He had so many friends, wow. uh, male and Thank female. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, that had to be pretty fun for you too. Uh, yeah, I did. I did have fun at dances. I mean, not actually in retrospect, a lot of my dances uh, were nightmares or ended as nightmares. Uh, yeah. Wow. Actually. <laughs> I mean, I had a lot of fun dances. The dances were, uh there wasn't anything like that were no stakes yeah. that seemed fun like i went uh with my friend jen we went to like the king of hearts dance maybe it was because i was like nominated and ended up winning prince prince of hearts oh not nice bad. Yeah, not bad hey, not bad for a fucking nerdy theater guy <laughs> um but yeah like that was just like we just like went to have fun I think there was like a little flirtation there. Like there was like a will they, won't they? Yeah. But uh, there was, we won't. (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) Right. Uh, But yeah, like that dance was a lot of fun. But like I had some where, man, like my junior year, like my girlfriend at the time, like we had a huge fight at one. I went to one dance with a girl who was super hot, way out of my league. And I like wore her down and she was like, I will go with you, but you cannot touch me. And I was like, fine, no problem. I'll have the pictures. <laughs> Do you Katie have, Bachman. Can you, can, it was who? Katie Bachman. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, no, and, I had no business going to a dance with her. <laughs> no, I did turn somebody down now that I think about it. And and it was a girl that who was regarded as probably the prettiest person maybe that ever walked the halls of of that school other than uh, one person in particular that I know of. Uh, but the second to them, uh, second to them, um, it was a girl and I had asked her. I, f- I felt kind of bad because I had asked her to the dance. I had graduated, just graduated. Oh. Um, but I asked she was a senior and I asked her to the dance and then started seeing another girl at the high school, a <laughs> Colombian exchange student. And um, then I went to the first girl who, again, was regarded as like the prettiest girl in, in, in that school yeah. and uh, told her that uh, that we weren't going to go. And she was pretty pissed. Her name started with a J. Yep. Oh, yes, it geez, did. Oh, yeah. Pete. Yep. You're going to go to a dance with her. All lined up. Wait, and- which dance? Homecoming? It was. Um, no, it was. Um, it was the one that we had in the lunchroom. Remember one year we had it in the lunch in the cafeteria? Yeah. Yeah, and Christmas you were there. Dance. I saw you there. Yeah, and um, yeah, and uh, yeah, that was and and I remember my, my I Colombian my Colombian date was so nervous that she wasn't going to be able to do quote unquote American dancing, and I'm like, you dance better than <laughs> anyone in that entire school. Do. Your country is like centered on dancing. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, but no, overall, I thought it was really neat, and you know, our school tried some fun things. There was one year where we had a dance where I remember. The DJ had the like this huge video monitor, uh-huh. so it was like the videos to the songs were playing along with the music, oh. and that was up in the um, the area of the gym that was kind of that elevated yeah. side, yeah, and right at the end of the main hallway, yeah, and um, yeah. Uh, so that Mr. was Mr. Nelson. Was that, was he the DJ? Uh, I'm not sure. He DJed a lot of the one the yeah. dances. I feel like. But um, his son went on to do Broadway. Really? Yeah. He's in like uh, Chicago. Is that the show he's in? Or Cabaret? I think mm. he's in Cabaret. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what their the status is now, but two years ago, he was on Broadway. Very cool. And yeah. shut it down for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> right. Uh but yes, overall, I love I love that. I did skip. I think I brought this up before. I did skip my senior prom to yeah. go to a blues traveler concert, and I was I love that. Oh yeah, because my junior prom, I went with a girl uh, who was a year younger than me. She was a sophomore, so it was a privilege for her to get to go to prom. God damn it, <laughs> she didn't owe me anything. I'm not saying that, but then like that night, she met a dude who was like who went with someone else in our group. And then they ended up like together in a relationship for a year or whatever. And I was like, fuck this. Nice that you could lay that groundwork for Yeah, that's not what I do. (laughs) A matchmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every like, uh, religious girl that you had sex with, and not you, but anyone in high school, I probably dated them before and tried wearing it down, got nowhere with it. And then it was like, but the next one. Yeah, so you 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 were kind of in high you school. loosened the uh, lid on the pickle jar <laughs> exactly for someone else to just pry off and be the hero. Okay, exactly. That's why I married the first woman I fell in love with. No, <laughs> you did pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did. Um, but yeah, so yeah, in retrospect, I did like dances. Had a lot of bad moments. I broke my foot one year before homecoming. I was supposed to go with another girl. I would say out of my league at the time. She was two years older. She was a senior. I was a sophomore. Ooh, that's sexy. Uh, and 
yeah, I broke my foot, and she was like, I probably, we probably shouldn't go then. And I was like, I get oh, it. Oh, damn. Yeah. How did you break your foot? <laughs> uh, I was jumping up to hit an exit sign, and then when I landed, I broke my foot. Oh. I did hit the sign, though. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. That but it was, was like in gym class, like before, like we were just waiting. And I was just like, people were like jumping and hitting it. So I just did it once. If only I could go back in time and just like handwrite a sign that said prom and write it right <laughs> above the exit sign. So it's like, yep, I'm, I'm <laughs> that out was of homecoming it. Yeah. Dance. That was homecoming dance. Oh, homecoming. Dance. Okay. Okay. Um, no, I didn't go to my senior prom. I did go to my junior prom. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it was, um, I, I like all that stuff. I liked, I like to dress up. You know, that's the thing. Like. Even in town, and I don't want to get off on a tangent, but in the city that we live in, there's, there's especially in, in the last 10, 15 years, a slew of bars, right? Yeah. But there are, there's no place that you could go to and like dress up. Like there's no nightclub. There's no dance club, you know? No. Where like you, you dress in like a little nice and you go to a, like a. Well, uh, there was a place, Silver Spoon, that was, it was a breakfast place, but then at night it kind of turned into a club. What? Yeah. Did it really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Me oh, and shit. our friend Katie would like get a little doped up and then like sit on a park bench across <laughs> from it and just make fun of the people <laughs> coming in and out of it. I thought you were going to say like dress up and go in there and dance and have a good time. No, but no. Yeah, no. We would just sit there and look at the losers. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. You're you're, Not my you're, scene. you're you're getting doped up sitting across the street, but looking at those losers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Coming- <laughs> That's awesome. No, that's great. I did not know that. Well, I feel ripped off. God damn. I would uh, love to miss anything. I would love for there to be a dance club around here. Um, yeah. Well, we had Ben Willies. Well, yeah, we did. Well, at once upon a time, but here's the thing. I, you, you put a dance yeah, all club that and it's gone. It's an, uh, the, there's a certain element that creeps in. I mean, usually there's drugs, there's fights, yeah. there's, you know, yada, yada. Um, so I guess we'll just enjoy our faux dive bars and, and uh, Man, Ben Willies is weird. There would just be like women doing like pole dances. Oh, I saw things weirder than that. Sure, yeah. There. I'm just like this was like. Did, have I ever front. told you, if you what like, I saw in there? If you like go into the back of Ben Willie's, like, have I ever told you what I've seen in there? Uh, maybe, but it's been a while since we've talked about okay, it. Okay, I'm gonna dance around this a little bit because it's pretty graphic. <laughs> um, I went there with some girlfriends that uh, we're going to see a male review. And I was just going to go to have fun because there's a big difference between girls seeing strippers, male strippers, yeah. and men seeing female strippers yeah. where they think that they're actually falling in love with them instead of just paying their light bill. Right. But um, <laughs> but when girls see strippers, it's fun. They're laughing. They're embarrassed. You know, they're, it's it's a good time. It's silly. And it's, it's just a lot of fun. So I went with them, uh, and only for that reason, uh, to, their, to the male review. <laughs> and uh, when I walked in, uh, an employee at the bar said, well, you can't go over here. You have, to, you have to go in that room. And I look over in, quote, unquote, that room, and there's a curtain hanging in front of it and a handwritten sign that says private party. And I'm like, well, there's a private party in there. He's like, no, you go in there. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. So I said bye to my friends and then walked into that, quote, unquote, private party. And there were two dancers in there, female. And it wasn't too long before the head uh, chef of the place walked back into the kitchen and walked back out with a cucumber. Oh, God. (laughs) And one of the dancers got on a pool table and used the cucumber. To make a salad? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> she tossed her own salad <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, we're all just standing right. And there's piles of cash being thrown on the Jeez. table. And it was so seedy. Like even me and I'm disgusting <laughs> as a human. I I was like, this is not right. Like this. And anybody could have walked I go in. watch the male strippers, please. <laughs> yes. But like any like like, you know, 85 year old couple celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary could have walked in that night. They're never just, doing. They're not walking into Ben Willie's though. Right. I felt so out of place in Ben Willie's. Oh, man. I think we all did. <sighs> Great. Let's not talk about Ben Willie's. <laughs> okay. I'll talk about the loved ones. Let's get back out of the dances. So this is uh, written and directed by Sean Byrne. It stars Xavier Samuel, Robin McLevy, John Brumpton. A box office of four million. Excuse me. A box. Jesus Christ, a budget of yes. four million, a box office of only three hundred fifty eight thousand. Yeah, but it was like, you know, had like one release in the U.S. in like six cities. It was more of a video. Thing. I don't even think they make movies to make money anymore. I right. mean, how well, many of these have thing. we seen? Because this is an Australian movie and it's bankrolled. By the government. Right. So who cares? Imagine. Imagine living in a country where your <laughs> government just is like, could you imagine some hillbilly being like, my money, my tax dollars paid for this garbage. Well, they're just offsetting the fact that you may at any given time be killed by a wild boar, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's you know, the ends <laughs> right. justify the means. Gotta get you inside, see, not outside. <laughs> I'm going to try, like, my bad Australian accent's going to come out a lot in this. Okay, let's get to Nan some, and then we'll uh, get to spoilers. It's the end of school, and Lola Stone's asking Brent if he'll go to the dance with her. He turns her down because he's already going with his girlfriend, Holly. But Lola won't take no for an answer. So her father kidnaps Brent, and they have their own end-of-school party with all the usual stuff. Roadkill, power drills, <laughs> and a pit filled with their past victims. Now, Brent must find a way out before the end of the dance, or will he just become another one of the loved ones? Oh, nicely done. Thank you. God, you're good at those. I'm trying to work the title in instead of just yelling the title now. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try and artfully work <laughs> it way into the end of the sum. Uh, so, yeah. Pretty, like, standard setup. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say going into this movie, like, at, when I watched the trailer, I thought it was going to be a lot, like, quirkier. Like, I was like, oh, there's probably, like, some dark shit in it but will be offset by some humor, which there is humor in it. That's how they got it. Cause it was a 18 plus rating. However, Australians do it. And they were like, yeah, but it's funny though. Right, mate, some comedy in there. <laughs> so they bumped it down to like, well, 15 year olds can see it. Cause we don't want them like a 16 year old denied a good chuckle. Right. Um, <laughs> but it was not, it was a lot heavier than I expected. Yeah, it's it's very heavy. I've heard it described. There's a couple different mashups that I've heard. One is uh, a mashup of Pretty in Pink and Misery. Yes. Uh, which, I mean, yeah, you, can, you can certainly make that vibes, claim. Yeah. The director leans a little bit more towards trying to marry a couple of elements of Carrie and Evil Dead, which makes more sense once once he explains it. We'll, we'll get to that. But um, this was a yeah, this is a movie that um, and just another plug here, because God damn, are they deserving of it? 
and please help the uh, the print industry to to stay alive because it's circling the drain. But Rue Morgue, which is the Canadian horror publication that I've I've been devoted to for the last probably fifteen years, um, this was a, a movie that they touted quite a bit. It made the cover of the magazine, um, and it, it made a gorgeous cover too because visually this movie is is really pretty. Yeah, and and it really is one of its more unique qualities is is the look of the film. Um, but uh, I was like, well, God, they are just like relentless in their plugging of this movie. I've got to see it. Um, so saw it just based on the magazine's review. And yes, like you said, um, it, it, it's got all the setup and all the makings for just a quirky, funny horror, but ultimately like teen dance. There's a lot of like low hanging comedy fruit there. But what we ultimately get is some some torture that is really on, you know, the likes of of the worst of the worst, like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It might, it's not as gritty yeah. uh, in its in its uh, aesthetic, but it is very unsettling. Yeah. For a lot of reasons. Um, but uh, but ultimately, uh, and we talked about this earlier, but uh for anybody out there that's listening that is like, yeah, I just, you know, I just don't like foreign films, you know, and, <laughs> and that's fine. I, I'm, I'm not here to judge you, but I, I'm going to say if you haven't seen this and you're a little bit put off by the fact that it's not an, an American made film, um, you should see it anyway. It's so universal Foreign films is code for European, though. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 I yeah. want that fruity like, European stuff. Right. Yeah. Believe it or not. Subtitles Ameri- and whatnot. American films can also be foreign films if you're not from America. It's very like, true. You know, so we shouldn't be so harsh to judge. What a perspective. <laughs> but I will say that, um, yeah, not everywhere on earth is America. <laughs> what? I guess is what I'm getting at. But, Should um, be. <laughs> but um, yes, there it is. It, when you watch it, albeit it is Australian and there are accents there. But it is it's so universal that within 15 minutes, you forget that it's Australian anyway. I mean, they they don't go out of their way to try and, like, shove Australia down your throat. Right. So that that he does do that to the people of the pit, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is the one. The two two Australian things that stand out uh, right drive cars Mm -hmm. and whatever animal he picks up off the road. That's roadkill. It's not a possum. It's not one of ours. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's just you're just like, it's not a dog. No. <laughs> it looks like a mink, but with long legs. Is, <laughs> it, a, is it a baby Tasmanian devil? I have no clue. I mean, that would make sense. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah, the, something like that. Well, the, it was something rodent-ish. The, the director did go to the University of Tasmania, which oh. just sounds cool. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to go there? But um, yeah, who knows what it was? But yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't try to um, it. It. it it aims to be more universal than anything, which is good. Yeah. Part of that universalness is who, and if you watch the whole movie, this is a bold statement, but God, if I have one soft spot in this world, that is, I am an absolute sucker for it is people who struggle socially and nothing tugs at my heartstrings more than somebody who, who just wants a friend who just wants to 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 belong and and do the things that all the kids do and all that stuff, but just for whatever reason struggles with it. So we have our our main villain here, Lola. But in the, in the beginning of the movie, um, 
and I, I don't want to jump too quickly to her because there's something pretty important that happens before that. But um, let me just say that somebody sort of desperately, you know, kind of like just sort of like very just mousy sort of, you know, meekly asking somebody not, do you want to go to the dance, but will you go to the dance with me? And she, her delivery, when she says it, Uh if you, if you see the rest of the film, it's almost kind of like you, you, she's said it before she's asked it before, and she's just hoping maybe this is the time. And she says it in the most, pathetic and by by pathetic i don't mean negative like just you just feel for her when she says it yeah and it just melts me i I, that like i said that is my soft spot people that struggle socially um i just are so endearing to me um and you can't help but sort of love this girl and she's not like traditionally gorgeous or beautiful or whatever but she has a certain appeal to her yeah but um, but before I I, I I jumped ahead to her just because I, I love that character and I love that actress uh, so much. But before that, we get a setup of some family tragedy. Yeah, which, I mean, it was okay. I don't know how much it played into it. Like, if that didn't happen, would it have fundamentally changed the movie? Only in the regard that... And, and this is a, a great topic. Something that this movie does very well is it the director was really interested in sort of weaving together the separate elements of like combined grief. So what, okay. we, what that when we'll get into this as we, as we get into the movie. But what we have here is a, a, a set of characters that are all different from each other. Some of them are connected by friendships or, or, you know, family or whatever, but everybody is sort of woven together by the evil that, that we end up ultimately seeing here. So that as this father and son are driving down the road and they get into a car accident that is ultimately caused by seeing this person who is bloodied and standing in the middle of the road, that person who is bloodied and standing in the middle of the road is a brother to one of our other characters in the film, yeah, which sort of weaves everybody together. Yeah, I mean, true, but even like, did you even need that? I mean, if if that's yeah, if that's you don't the have point to of have doing that, yeah, you don't have to. But it's like, yeah, because the the other the sister of this character, who is <sighs> Smoke Show, jeez, oh Pete, uh, what was her name? She has a name. Uh, 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 Jessica McNamee, uh, plays a pretty, you know, she's like very metal, dark hair, does not talk much. Something's going on with her. And so, yeah, even midway through, I'm like, she's somehow related because we get her story with, uh, with Brent's friend, whatever his name is. I don't remember a lot of the names. I don't. Yeah, I, that's okay. Yeah, we'll say. <laughs> well, we, they don't spend a lot of time on them. It's yeah. mainly just about Lola and Brent and her dad. But yeah, so Brent's friend takes his big shot and asks a girl way out of his league to go to the dance, and she says yes. Why I don't know because it does not seem like she wants to go no. at all. No, at all. Right. Uh, and she's obviously got a lot of issues. So yeah, midway you're like, well, why am I even watching these people? Yeah. Uh, Cause they, they don't know Brent's missing. Right. Like, none of, so you're just like, 
this girl has some sort of connection. Yeah, and that's and that's what's neat. So they yeah, they they do the director does albeit loosely, but we've the the people that we see and that we follow in this movie, it might not be obvious at first, but there there is at least a thread yeah. through everyone well, holding. I mean, them all you really need to know is that her brother is missing. Right. Like I didn't need to see him. Right. True, true, true. So, but yeah, ultimately, yeah, the movie starts with with a, a car accident. Maybe a little emotionally manipulative right. with the dead dad thing. You're right. But, and it's interesting just from a, a sort of technical and rating standpoint, it was one of the things that they did have to take out. The the movie opening with this car accident and Brent's, our, Brent, our, our main lead, um, his dad dying, they apparently had... Uh, such a grotesque body of his dead dad that they ended up taking it out because they're like, we can't start our movie with like the most disgustingly, like just (laughs) molested dead body, like just skin ripped open and viscera all over the place. Like we can't start like this because then it takes the fun out of it. Um, so they did cut that, but okay. we do see ultimately that there was a car accident with Brent and his dad. Yeah. And, and that's then, why he doesn't drive. Right. And, and, and when we see Brent next, like literally the, the next scene that we see him in, he looks awful. Yes. Uh, he looks pale and his hair is just sort of stringy and greasy and he's an attractive dude, but, yeah. but he looks like he's suffering. That is kind of another thing that surprised me about this. Cause going in, you're like, Oh, he's probably like the popular kid in school and the girl asks him and he's like, well, no, right. Like fuck off. But no, he's just kind of nice to her. Yeah. He seems to not be anyone of importance in the school. No, it's, it's just yeah. kind of a random thing. And it, and it, what is it? Is it six months after the, the accident that we get into the real? Yeah, I think it's yeah six months after. So he's reeling with, from the grief of his father, as is his mother. Um, and uh, but he does have a girlfriend. And what's really nice about this, and it was a, a specific choice by the director. He really wanted to have these characters. um pretty fleshed out. He had a phrase that he kept saying throughout production, which was um, you can't scare if you don't care. Meaning like we have to, he's not a huge fan of just like masked, you know, random killers uh, films, you know, kind of traditional slashers. He really wanted to, to flesh out these characters and and make you know them if, if not like them. Yeah. So, um, so here we have Brent and, and he obviously like he's going to school. He's getting through. He's, he's kind of passing through life. And, but in, he has this girlfriend who is a pretty big juxtaposition to him where she is like pretty bubbly, like a little feisty, a little spunky. She's well put together. You know, she's, she's not really going through anything. She just seems like a nice, normal girl that is dating a guy who has just gone through a, a huge tragedy. Yeah. She's probably a very positive force in his life. Yeah. And uh, so when yeah, this, she doesn't seem like a tropey bitch girlfriend, no. who, then this girl would be like, why are you with her? Right. So when, you know, early on in the movie, when Lola, our villain, uh, comes up to Brent and asks him to the dance in that scene that I was referencing, that's so endearing because uh, we haven't seen what Lola's really made of yet. <laughs> um, it is. It's just heartbreaking, just in the same way that like Carrie is so touching and affecting like you see this girl come up to this guy like obviously 
they don't really have a connection at all. Right. His response to her just as an actress is pretty great. Like he just, he's trying to be nice, but it's like, I, I don't, we don't talk. Like, why are you asking me to the dance? Um, but I also he, have like, I have a girlfriend that I have to go with her. Right. Yeah. So it's this, it's this really sort of sweet scene. And um, what I like about the movie is that there's one scene in particular where, you know, the, the dance is going to be happening. Lola has asked Brent. Brent has turned her down. Um, you know, Brent has an exchange with his mom where, you know, his mom is overprotective of him. She doesn't want him to drive anywhere. They're still both going through, which is I know I say this all the time. And it seems like every movie we cover in horror has to do with grief. Yeah, but it's, it's, a, it's a big component. Yeah. So um, so there there's kind of like an emotionally charged scene. Yes. Always trauma. Yeah. And there's a great scene. Um, it's great in, in its in its sort of sadness. And it's it's palpable. Um, if you've ever I mean, I don't want to go too into this, but if 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 anybody's ever suffered a depression, there's there's this amazing scene where it's the day of the dance. Brent is kind of charged up after this interaction with his mom where he believes that his mom blames him for his father's death because Brent was the one driving the car at the point of the accident. And Brent kind of walks to this this cliff that is near his house and he starts scaling this cliff kind of in the way that somebody who is angry at life and upset and hurt by something is is doing sort of risky behavior. Yeah. So he's doing that, and and you also get, it's a metaphor for the struck like the literal hill he has to climb. Yes, in order to get over his grief. Right, and what's really does a, he have the strength to do it? Yeah, no, I and you know what's funny? I didn't even really think about that as the metaphor, but you're right. I mean, it's that's it's a beautiful metaphor for yeah. that of 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 that ongoing struggle. And he gets of his. to the top, and he just kind of like hangs back so it's yeah. almost if he wanted to he could just fucking end it right and he and there's such a peace in his face yeah. it's almost like he's he's putting himself right on the verge of just letting go and falling and ending it all and it looks like the most peaceful that this guy has been post accident that we see as viewers yeah. like he it's almost like a drug that he's using to feel like I could just end all of it now. And so it's, it's really an affecting scene. Um, but then it turns like pretty harrowing because, you know, the cliff, you know, snaps a little bit and he's fighting for his life, which I think is probably the, the neatest theme of this film, which is if you thought that you, if you wanted to die, if you had reached the point where you didn't care about living anymore, that perhaps being in a situation where your life was honestly being threatened, yeah. that you might feel differently. Yeah. And, th- and, th- and okay, that, I guess the beginning accident does have a lot to do with this movie. I take it back. I take it <laughs> <Yeah>. back. <laughs> but, uh, but, it, but yeah, so all, but what I like, what I love, cause we all, we all know this and you and I talk about it all the time. I love a nice, fast pace, clean cut. I don't need a lot of backstory as to why it this goes happens. so fast at the Boom. beginning, almost too fast where I was like, I don't really know who these people are. <laughs> right, right. Like it, I, I, because I kept waiting for like, well, I'm going to find out he's like the star quarterback or whatever, you know, whatever the equivalent is. In right. Australia. Uh, but yeah, no, never, you never hear any of that. He gets to the top of the hill. He manages to make his way up to the, you know, climb to the top of the cliff. 
And then, bam, the dude is chloroformed. Yep. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, who would do that to him? Because it's it's clearly not Lola. I mean, it's it's a man that right. does this to him. So you're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, is this just a random thing or whatever? Then we get what is what the director wanted to do. So the director wanted to, when he was putting this movie together, with the aid of the Australian government, um, and he was putting it all together, he said, I love the sort of like that vibe of the sparkly dance, teen dance, prom, whatever it is that you have in Carrie. But he's also a massive fan of the Evil Dead movies. Okay. So he loves the idea of that sort of secluded. What if we brought a school dance to a secluded cabin? Exactly. <laughs> he combined the two. He just two great tastes that taste great together. Yeah. And so he pulled the that. chocolate peanut butter of, <laughs> of Australia. Yeah. Right. And, uh, so here we have a an awakened um, and accosted Brent. In this sort of rural farmhouse, I mean, not not Texas Chainsaw Massacre farmhouse, but the farmhouse of a working class family. Yeah. And it's pretty secluded. It's out literally on a farm. So um, this is where the movie starts making some really, really interesting and I think great choices. The first of which is to paralyze Brett's vocal cords. Yeah. What a fucking... Now, th- th- I, did, I did learn a little something about myself there in that scene where I am no longer afraid of syringes because I inject myself with <laughs> with medicine every day. So that no longer bothers me from a, an aesthetic standpoint. Yeah. But it is harrowing to see that. Like, did you just say you inject yourself with medicine every day? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it is not illegal drugs. Let me clarify that. Um, yeah. <laughs> It is not that Um, it is. uh, Yeah, it is testosterone. (laughs) Although I was born a male. I let let me I have to like further clarify. I'm not transitioning. I am a male who takes testosterone. Um, So it injects it. But um, but yeah, so you see this thing. But what the, the, the rawness of it is the fact that we know it's some sort of like industrial cleaner. Yeah, it's got that it bright blue. Like, yeah, the blue like, ra- blue raspberry. Be good. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Injected it's like electric raspberry. <laughs> yeah, with Z's. Yeah, it, it, it could it could have easily been Gatorade. Unfortunately for Brent, it's household cleaner <sighs> injected into his vocal cords. So now we get a performance where, or essentially, I mean, I'd love to say that maybe medical science could do something for him, but probably the rest of his life, the inability to speak, certainly for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, so now we get a, a really different angle on the performance of Brent because he's essentially silent. Well, other yeah, than sounds. Some grunts, yeah. yeah. So that's cool. And it's probably and it's actually why the director cast him because he saw him in uh, the actor that plays Brent in a movie and whatever movie it was, it was something where he had to convey a lot of emotion just through his eyes. Um, so he's like, well, that's that's what I need because right. I've, I've got a, a hero of my movie who is now essentially silent mute. So um, that's why he was cast, and, and he does a really great job of it. So now what we get, now this is going back to something that you were saying earlier about the characters of Brent's friend with his, you know, this gorgeous goth girl that he's asked to the dance. And this was something that, uh, again, on the director's part, was a really very conscious choice, where he said to himself, on one hand, horror fans like to be pushed. 
They like to be pushed to the limit. Otherwise, what are we doing here? Yeah. But he doesn't necessarily like being just, um, just sort of slammed in the face with violence for violence sake. So he has this nice balance by, and he gives the audience a breather. He gives the audience a breather by having these super torturous scenes and they can push the torture further if they interject with these humorous fun, you know, back at the ranch, you know, <laughs> or I should say back at the dance right. scenes that are, that are just sort of fun to watch. So it allows us as audience members to take in the really, really hardcore stuff of somebody being injected with household cleaner in the neck and, and, and silenced and restrained and they're freaked out, but we get a little breather when we go back, yeah. we go back to the dance. But even those scenes are, I mean, if they're the comic relief, they're still <laughs> very uncomfortable. Because you have, like, initially she, like, does not want to go into the dance. So they're just, like, sitting in the car. Yeah. He does do that hilarious. He's going to, like, slide over the hood to get her door and just falls <laughs> off the car. That's <laughs> right. great. Um, but, yeah, like, they don't go in and just sit there and, like, listen to metal for a while. Then when they do go in, then she just, like, starts grabbing his dick and everyone's staring at them. Yeah. And she's just like, what the fuck are you looking at? You know, and the <laughs> I love the teacher like. You're going to have to go somewhere else. You're going to do that. <laughs> right. And then they go have sex out of the parking lot. Like, right. But she's clearly like using it as some sort of like terrible coping yes. mechanism. So while it's like, yeah, you're you're like kind of fun watching this. The kid who's just like, I can't believe this is happening to me. <laughs> right. But he also is like, this is not the best situation I can tell, but I'm still going along with it. And I'll maybe I'll regret it tomorrow. Right. Yeah, because you're right. It does look like um, when she, when they're sitting in the car and she's guzzling vodka. Yeah. And she's just smoking a copious amount of marijuana. And it's like, this is somebody who's not doing this to have fun. Like, they're trying to numb themselves. Yeah. And so you're right. It doesn't have, like, the fun party quality to it. But at least it's not getting injected in the neck with you know, <laughs> right. brain cleaner. But but yeah, you're right though. There is a sort of uh, uh, oh, and they get caught having sex, and the same teacher is like, "When I said you can't do that here, I meant school property. Like, yeah. get out of here." Yeah, like eighty five percent of this continent is just wide open desert, <laughs> <laughs> and you have to fuck here. Um, yeah, sorry about the accent at the end there, but uh, <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to yeah, you got to fuck yeah. <laughs> um, but but here's here's where this movie gets really cool. The director called it a uh, candy colored nightmare, and that's what's really really neat because at you know back out at the farmhouse where Brent is getting tortured. We have a, a a look into Lola's life. This is where this actress just, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Probably one of the strongest performances of any movie that we've covered. Singular performances oh, wow. where somebody is, is just encapsulating a character so hard because she is cute and sweet, but she's also horribly demented. <laughs> yeah. And what essentially we have here is, you know, 
if you've ever been the father of, of daughters or, or, or aunt or uncle or whatever, you've just seen young girls, you know, they go through that princess phase, you know, they, they love the princesses and they play dress up and they have the clown, the, or the crowns and the wands <laughs> and probably clowns. And, uh, you know, they, they, they have the, the, the pink dresses and everything like that. And essentially what we have here for whatever reason is a girl that's sort of, uh, a, 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 an, adult girl that is trapped in this princess phase yeah. where she's looking for that prince and she wants to play dress up and she wants everything to be perfect, but there's clearly a lot of shit going on. Bad, bad things yeah. going on, but visually in the movie, she has this gorgeous hot pink dress, satiny hot pink dress. Yeah. You know, there's um, her room has like unicorns and dolls, even though they're in various states of sexual intercourse. Um, you oh, know, I didn't notice. That. Oh, yeah. They're, they're all, uh, all the dolls are set up like in oh, every position you can think hilarious. of. So we get this sort of pinky, purpley, glittery, candy nightmare of, of a film. Yeah. And so that's and I what did so like neat. how because they're the introduction to father and daughter because i i could see a movie being like brent's kidnapped right and then like the next time we see his situation is him like coming out of it and he's sitting at the table which we you know we have that scene but first it's more like okay now here's the dad and daughter he brings her the dress there's a lot of like incestual innuendo as he's like watching her get dressed it's really creepy so it's a great way to introduce them instead of having all your like get to know these characters at the dinner table or right. whatever. Cause yeah, let's face it. What we have here is a weird ass dynamic where the father is just as much of a demented criminal as is his daughter. Yeah. Like this, we have two villains here coming from like very different places, but they're both psychotic and that's, that's what the director was going for so much is that is is the realization and as scary as this is to say, psychos have lives too. Like they have to pay rent. You right. know, they've got to go to work, they've got to go to the grocery store, and they've probably stood in line behind you at Walgreens. I mean, like that shit's out there. And and you know, they have normal lives. So that's what he was trying to to create is this sort of real life villain that exists within the, the world that all of us exist in. Yeah. Um, you know, not just some mindless sort of semi supernatural killer out in the woods, but that it's your handyman, you know? Um, so that, that part is really neat, but you're right. And then when, when we're in that, that dinner scene, we've got the like disco ball, like putting this sparkle light all over the room. She's in her pink dress um, they've got these sort of paper crowns on. Yeah. It's, it's like the more sweet they make it, the more gross it is. Yeah. But spe- and there's a fourth person at the table. Oh. Who is great. It's an old woman. It's her his name wife. Is Bright Eyes. Yeah. That's her mom. Well, is it her mom? Yes. That is her mother who she got out of the way because she truly has something for her father. That's her own mother. Well, but the dad did that to her, though. Yeah. At the behest I, of Lola. Yeah. Are you sure, like, the dad didn't just kidnap some woman and is like, this is your mother now? No, I believe. I be- well, okay. I, I don't want to be. Because she is. So, yeah, when we first see Bright Eyes, she's just some lady sitting at the table 
with what looks like a bullet hole in her head. Yeah. So you're like, what is that? Another great thing this movie does. Like, here's something where you're like, what the fuck is that? And you'll find <laughs> out in 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, it, to which, yeah, they lobotomize people, but she's never done it before. Like this is her her yeah. drilling Brent is the first time she's ever done it. I always thought that that so was every her. other person they've done. The dad has done it. So right. I just was under the assumption he was like, look, I found my mate. Oh, through this method. Let's try and find you one. OK, well, I like that, too. Yeah. yeah. OK. Yeah. No, that's either way. It's I mean, she it, does call her mom, but yeah. I was just like, either way. It's that's her mother figure, but maybe call- not her biological mother. OK. But the fact that they call her bright, like they have this weird like yeah, name for call her. her bright eyes and this poor Which she her eyes could not look deaf. <laughs> I know that's a kind of funny part. Um, yeah, like when you call like a giant guy tiny or whatever, exactly. like bright yeah. eyes is is dead eyed as it gets. Um, but yeah, so that part is creepy. Now, this might seem like I'm making light of it, but there is no there is no uh, humor about how disgusting the marriage of fried chicken and milk is at the dinner. They're eating fried chicken and washing it down with a nice, big, tall glass. Which I thought it was the roadkill at first. Right. Right. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. I was like, all right, chicken. All right. (laughs) But chicken and milk. I, I don't know. It's not my thing. But here's where I get really impressed with this movie, because, you know, when you got a Texas Chainsaw Massacre and you've got a dilapidated farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, everybody looks gross. Everybody looks unshowered on, you know, just dirty and grimy and the setting is grimy. That's that's kind of like a layup as far as backdrops for creepiness. Yeah. But here the movie is achieving the same level of creepiness with a a homemade school dance, you know, where there are lights and there are dresses and there, you know, but it's still just as gross as a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Which I thought was very impressive. They didn't make them like it'd be easy to make them like religious zealots too. Right. But no, they're just fucking weirdos. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> they don't have time for that shit. Right. Who knows how they got that way, but they are that way. Um, and we get some nice, get some really effective body horror. You know, body horror is the best when you can feel it as yeah. you're watching it. And you're like, oh, like I, I've never had that happen to me before, but I can imagine what that would feel like. Um, because Brett is obviously in a constant state of, of trying to escape or trying to think of a way to escape. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's very, you know, tightly bound. Um, he does make it out of there and that's what, that's the thing about these movies. that's so creepy is that when somebody does escape and then they don't make it and they get pulled back in, it just kills, kills your spirit, you know, and they make sure that he's not going to get away. It's pretty funny though. Cause he, I mean, they do a good thing. They could have done like some dumb, like chase through the outback yeah or whatever but it's like eh, he just is like i'll climb this tree <laughs> he just gets yes stuck. i'm like stuck him in a tree. like <laughs> they're just like how do we get him out start throwing rocks at him yeah and is, I, yeah and maybe you maybe you would run up the tree if you just weren't even thinking the guy's a climber right. um so we get that but it's just like oh my god you should have <laughs> just kept running in the wide open but um yeah, but they get him back in, and when they do get him back into the house, they make damn sure that he doesn't leave again yeah. by by hammering knives through the top of his feet into the floor. Yeah. 
And, but I mean, everything, like even, it's not even the gross stuff. It's like when he has to pee and she makes him pee into a, like she's holding his dick yeah. and ma- and forcing him to pee on command, which I would have been fucking dead. Dead, yeah. I she's like, if you don't pee by the time I got to 10, my dad's going to hit your balls with a hammer. I could, <laughs> yeah, nail your dick to the, the chair <laughs> yeah. is what they're threatening to do. Um, I I can barely give a urine sample in a doctor's office. Like, <laughs> right? God bless. Yeah, I can't tell you how long I've like stood at a urinal <laughs> in a public to where just like p- three people have used the one next to me. And I'm like, what they must think I'm just standing here doing, but I'm just <laughs> I'm just trying to pee. Yeah, it's it. It really is a like a white knuckled situation. And what I really like about it is that. I love it when a, a horror movie paints it in such a constricting way that you're like, I don't know how he could ever get out of this. Like, I can't imagine a way that he's going to escape. Yeah. So we really do feel that trapped and claustrophobic with him. And then we find out that he is not the first one that this has been done to. Right. And bring out the photo album. Yeah. Bring out the scrapbook. <laughs> and uh, that's where we find out that the tie to the uh, goth girl who's self-medicating. She's, you know, I mean, maybe she was going through it a little bit beforehand, but when her brother disappeared and they couldn't find him, that's where she really went off the rails. And that that's what we now know is the reason why she is so self-destructive is yeah. because her brother is missing and yeah. her brother was a victim of Lola and her dad. Yeah. And so I thought that was really cool. Yeah. That they made it kind of like a, like it's bad enough to see it, but to know that this isn't the first time. Right. Like that makes and it it's even implied creepier. it's been happening since she was a little child. Yeah. Like seven right. years old. Yeah. Which is really creepy. Yeah, but still not quite as creepy as what ends up being a window of opportunity for Brent when Lola and her daddy um start dancing. Yeah. And then she's w- telling Brent, you know, I just want to find the frog that turns into my prince. Right. I realize now you'll always be a frog. And then, yeah, dancing with the dad and is like almost kissing. I know where I know. Oh, I know who my prince is. You're like, ah, she's like, it's always been you. It's so well done though. (laughs) This sounds fucking crazy. It's so well done that you're almost like, Oh, like a little happy for him. Like, like, Hey, like they finally figured it out. Like they're just being honest with each other, but it's so well done because you can see this weird hesitance in the dad yeah. where he, he wants to do it, but he doesn't want to do it. Oh, uh, but he's so but he's subservient. For so long. Oh yeah. So <laughs> creepy and good. God damn. This movie fails utterly fails if you don't have a strong lola and daddy i mean yeah if, if you don't have them you've got nothing anybody else is i don't want to say interchangeable but if you don't have strong performances from those two you have no movie yeah and man they nail the fuck out of it it's so it's so kind He's of been carved up by this point right yeah he, yeah that's the other th- oh that's the other thing it's bad enough <laughs> Like, like literally, I mean, I've, I've, I think I've even used the phrase on this show of throwing salt on the wound. Right. And uh, and they do exactly that. Yeah. Because of all the victims, she carves her initials like a, like you would a tree, like your initials with the heart around it. And then she just stands there and is throwing handfuls of salt. Yeah. On his like 
gaping wounds on his chest. And he can't. And, the worst, and he's still nailed to the floor, but is forced to just stand there. And he can't really scream because of the vocal cord. So he's, he's emitting a sound, but it sounds so strained. And, yeah. and oh, it's, it's just and helpless. It's, uh, it's just crazy. Um, and then uh, to further the surprise is to know that the those previous victims are still hanging around. <laughs> right, yeah. Now we see our roadkill. Yeah. Roadkill, I thought they were having for dinner. He now pulls it out, is like prepping it, I guess you would say. And then, yeah, he walks over, opens a huge door on their floor. <laughs> right. And there's just a pit with like three people in there. Yeah, three of the former victims... Just who have now become sort of feral. Yeah. They're well, the people not, not under the stairs. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's creepy in and of itself. And, you know, the the fact that it, what is nice, though, is that it's always great when a movie puts you through so much torture, but then gives you that revenge. And when when Brett finally gets his hand on a knife and can go at yeah. daddy, it's just this repeated stabbing in the neck. And you're like. Fuck yes. yeah! Like do it. Yeah, it's so good. The knife he's just pulled from his foot. Yes, puts back in Dad's <laughs> neck. Yeah, it's great. And um, so then you know we we start to see things unraveling for Daddy and Lola, and as Daddy gets thrown in the pit, and then he is eaten and devoured yes. by by the uh, the the former loved ones down there. Um, so that's great. And then it's just they do a really nice measured. Back and forth. It's not like as soon as daddy goes into the pit that he turns around and, and, you know, kills Lola and runs off and everything's fine. Like, it's still a struggle. Yeah. You know, for him to get there on top of the fact that, you know, Lola has thrown him into the pit. So now he's this pit is so it's not even a pit. It's like a room, but it's so it's probably, I don't know, 12 feet down. Yeah. So you can't just like jump up and, and pull yourself out. Right. So what what what? the stakes get risen because Lola is saying to him, like, I'm going to go to your house and I'm going to kill your mom and I'm going to kill your girlfriend. And it's, it's well, she says it so much better. Oh yeah. No, she says She's it like, a great way. I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to put a knife in your dad's in your mom's neck. And then I'm going to go find Holly. And I'm going to put a knife in her heart. Like you did to me. Yeah. So good. <laughs> so good. And you really start to feel for, let's not forget Brett's, actual girlfriend holly really great character um you know she's not given a whole lot as far as you know plot development but some really nice scenes i was really touched by the card that brent wrote to her and that she sees because he says in a such sweet way like she earlier in the movie she tells him that she loves him and he can't say it back because he's still struggling with emotion after his father's death and probably afraid to tell anybody that he loves them because when he loves people they die so um she finds this card and she gets kind of pissed at him that he won't say, I love you finds this card that says, uh, thank you for doing uh, what all the King's horses and all the King's men couldn't do. I love you, which is a, such a, a sweet, like basically putting him back together, healing yeah. him from his father's death. And um, so endearing and so, um, so touching. And she's, you know, wants to help her boyfriend, you know, yeah. and she's, and thank God she's the one who says like, She's trying to think of anything at all, any clues. This and, this bit is a little bit of a stretch. No, you're right. 
you're you're right. It's a little bit of a stretch because he tells her earlier. He's like, like Lola Stone asked me to the yeah. dance. Isn't that crazy? And so then she's like, of course. That's why he's missing. She kidnapped him. Yeah, Lola Stone. <laughs> um, yes. And so now here we get a death that like I calls a cop and he's like, I'll go check it out right now. Yeah. Because of, of that, it all makes sense now. And the cop is the father of the goth girl. Yes. And so this is where we get a, the continued intertwining of all these characters, which is neat. I, I I felt a little bad about his death. So, yeah, he does it's go to the so farmhouse. Yeah. Just like it's like, oh, shit, I would have liked that because now the goth girl is really a very uh, Scatman Crothers. Like I just showed up here. You're dead. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like finally some salvation. We're going to, you know, get saved here. And then, yeah, quickly dispatched. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it's it does a really nice job of that. And um you know, we have Lola sort of psychotically, literally walking down the highway to go carry out this vengeance that she's promised. You have um, Holly kind of, you know, wondering, like, what the heck's going on? Like, you know, I haven't heard back from from the policeman or whatever starts driving out there because she it, it, she it does have the presence of mind to drive to Lola's house. Yeah. Isn't that what she's doing? OK, yeah. So, so she's out driving and then we get sort of our, our final act of, of interaction between um, Lola happening. Showdown. Up, yeah. Lola happening upon Holly and them kind of fighting it out with a, with a knife in the car spilling out into the highway. And then um, because Brent has now been freed, he's hopped in the he's police got those car. Climbing skills. Yes. Foreshadowed. Climbed yep. out of the pit. Yep. Climbed out of the pit Does on a he, stack of bones like, and body. Kill off the other people in there yes okay because they kind of has to fight to the death right because they're gonna try and eat him okay yeah i wasn't too clear on that but i that's what i assumed yeah he had to kill the other you know former boyfriends that were down there to just to survive because they're feral now and we'll just eat any meat that goes down into the pit um so yeah climbs himself out drive you know take commandeers that police car and and is driving to try and save his mother because he's picturing lola you know going to kill his mom and his girlfriend yeah so he's driving at a high rate of speed and you're like holy shit don't let him hit holly who's (laughs) like on the highway um and uh but yeah there's a, a sort of beautiful spectacular thing where kind of mirroring the first accident yeah he sees holly he's driving 140 miles an hour or 140 kilometers, kilometers yeah. and, <laughs> and he veers off and does correct it the right way this time but then bam it's lola and god damn when we see lola climbing on the road She's like the Terminator. Like yeah, just, it's so funny because you just hear like that knife kind of like you don't see her. Yeah. But you hear the dragging and the knife. Yes. And, and her so hand fun. is broken. Oh, yeah. The to where like the top of the, the forearm out. is now separated from the wrist. <laughs> so gross and awesome. But and, this ending shot, I love. Oh, it. yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, all right, let's do her in. They throw that car in reverse. And back up into Lola, but like as that car approaches, like it just shows Lola fa- Lola's face, and it is just the slowest zoom that had to last like thirty seconds. Yeah, and it just keeps getting closer and closer. So slowly, like you see her eyes, just like like you can like pretty much see the reflection of the car. Yeah, in her eyes, and then quick cut, boom! <laughs> like it yeah. hits her head and blackout. Yeah. <laughs> 
so well done. Yeah, so God, so great. And um, and this was this director's first feature. Yeah, like holy shit, he wrote it, he directed it. Um, but yeah, so well played at the end there. Um, and uh, I mean, what a choice that is because nine films out of ten would have just had him reverse and just blast over her, and maybe they amp it up with some you know body horror and blood flying and whatever. Right. But you're right that that artistic choice to just focus on. It's kind of like when you're you're playing a role and you. In a scene, you play the opposite. Like if you're supposed to be really sad, but you start laughing. Like you're still sad, but you're you're playing it opposite. Uh-huh. Um, so here, instead of seeing the car just like barreling towards her, we, like you said, we just see her. No, we know what the car is doing. It's right. coming for her. But to just hold on her face, what a neat choice. Yeah, so cool. This had like ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like my when we got done watching it, my kid was like, "That might be like one of my favorite movies I've watched with you." It's yes, it's awesome. She's like, I kind of like that abductor thing. So we're seeking therapy for her. (laughs) Yes. Well, no, it's one of my greatest fears. Now, I I won't go into it because it's it's a lengthy story, but I think I've talked about it on the show before where there was a dream that I had that was the most vivid thing I've ever had in my life. And uh, as far as dreams go, and and it was just it was a casual uh, setting of like a, like a town festival and just walking around with a friend and kind of like you do in tailgating. You might see some people and they're like, come on over for a beer and you've never met them, but you come over and have a beer with them. It was that thing, but we ended up being sort of, we're hanging out with that family. And then when it, when it was time to go, we were informed that we're not leaving. <laughs> and then, you know, this, I'll, I'll tell the whole story sometime. This is a harrowing dream. Absolutely oh my God. horrible dream that I had. And I, it still sticks with me to this day, but that's, that this movie plays on that so effectively where it's like, it's one thing to be running in the woods for your life. It's another thing to just be trapped and nobody knows where you are. And there's, there's no clear means of escape. Like that is harrowing to watch. Yeah. It makes it super effective. And and, and think about it. Now, this is the funny part aside from there being the previous boys that have been preyed upon. There's like, what one i mean as far as bad people to good people like one victim i mean and brent doesn't even get killed but you know what right. i'm saying is there's no body count right. right yeah i mean here we are what covering these slashers all the time and and we're counting you know 9 10 13 dead bodies this movie is just as effective and we don't really see any innocent people aside from the cop yeah get killed and the guys in the pit yeah, right. but it all, yeah, but all the deaths but you know happened I mean? like, in the last five minutes of the yeah. movie. It's not like we're just, you know, seeing, you know, creative kills one right after another. Like right. this movie is achieving that same fear and tension with like a an almost minuscule body count. Yeah, that's no, true. It's super great. It's fantastic. Yeah. And like a half hour into this movie, I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this movie. Like, I don't know. There was like a, a real lack of score for a while. It was, yeah. was kind of weird. Yep. Um, and I was just like, I don't know. It feels amateurish. I know. And they mean. did. I mean, the the beginning does feel a little rushed. So I was like, I don't really know who these people are. Right. So I was not expecting to like it. Then as it went on. Yeah. Then you're just like up on the couch like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's great and it's and it's and it's filmed in a sort of um like they wanted it to look slick and and like the director said it takes a lot of money to make a movie look real slick 
but um but they they wanted it to not they didn't want it to look grainy yeah. you know they wanted it to look like you're watching a a, a show on CW you know like a team yeah. show and i think they really achieved that you know yeah um but uh i did love the the friend character whatever his name is i, I can't think of it now yeah. but um uh, really funny really Jamie yeah really great performance um so yeah this is like, do you think him and Mia like date more? What's that? Do you think they like go on another date? I think so. I think so. I, I think he so. he could be the one that for her that does what all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't do. Maybe yeah. he helps put her back together again because she's going to need even more help now because her dad's dead. <laughs> her dad's right. Dead. So poor thing. Um, but uh, no, I I think it's. I'll, I'll say this for this movie. And because it's a pretty singular assignment to uh, category for a film. I think that this could be the most gruesome or torturous movie that you could show somebody who doesn't like that stuff and they might still like it. Yeah. Because of Whoa. that sort of teen quality. It's This it, is a pretty oh, pearl clutchy movie. Oh, it is. <laughs> it's clutching We're all of the pearls eight. i'm going at an eight on the pearl oh yeah scale it is but do you think though that because it isn't like a guy who's squealing and wearing someone else's face right in rural texas that maybe you could take somebody who isn't a died in the wool horror fan and they could maybe tolerate it because it has a more modern feel to it yeah i mean if they went into it knowing they're going to see some gross and uncomfortable stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's not just like your quote, typical mindless slasher kind of thing. Right. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, obviously everyone who's seen this movie liked it. Right. And Australia people seem to think that 15 year olds could watch it. So <laughs> right. yeah, I mean, they grow up harder out there though, but, um, but yeah, no, um, I, I think it's a really, I think it's as far as, okay, We'll say it this way. As far as hardcore movies go, and we'll call it that because it is, yeah. that it is probably more accessible than, you know, your standard torture porn. Yes. Where it's just oh, for relentless. Sure. For sure. You know. Yeah, so. that's a good point. Yes. Because, yeah, I would almost put like, yeah, with torture stuff, like it is kind of like a saw or hostile kind of like grit your teeth. Oh, it's there. Yeah. But it's not as, well, the first saw was good. But not as lifeless as those yes. movies are. Yeah, it's not as, yeah, you're right. It doesn't have that sort of, like, hopelessness. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and that's kind of the... The point is not the torture. Right. Which those movies, they seem to be. Right, right. Now, here's the interesting thing. I just want to touch on this real quick because it's... it's. I can't believe we didn't go into it a little bit more. The 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 practice or the application of the lobotomizing that this yeah. family employs is drilling into the front of the skull uh -huh. and then pouring in boiling water to essentially like cook the brains. Right. right? Which is probably effective. Um, and, oh, man, they do such a great job with seeing a little bit of smoke come up from the drill. Smoke, yeah. But here's the funny thing is that they make a point of saying the dad says you don't want to go too deep. Because then you're just drilling into brain and lobotomizing them the, the rough way. Right. Um, but uh, our character of Brent, like you think like, okay, well, that's not going to happen to him at all. Because if they do that, he's just going to be a vegetable instantly. But I mean, you can have a skull fracture and not end up mentally, sure. you know, 
incapacitated. Oh, yeah, there was a point in this movie where I was just like, think of all the infections this guy has. Now. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that could be. <laughs> oh, my God. That's true. Oh, that's true. God. Um, but, uh, but no. So walking like, around in that pit and you hit your bloody feet. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, he's going to struggle. Don't get me wrong. Like he's going to have some tough times ahead. Yeah. But yeah, ultimately does survive. Luckily, with... they've got socialized health care. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. He can go get the help he needs some good without ideas. worrying about losing his house. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right. His biggest concern in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but no, I, I recommend the hell out of it. I think it's fantastic. I think it's criminally um underseen and under discussed but yeah it is fantastic yeah yeah i i recommend it when you gonna, go to the bathroom oh yeah We're right like almost done here <laughs> i know okay Should you I, can't you, hold it uh go well, yeah do your thing <sighs> oh am i doing the wrap-up okay i'll do the wrap-up while you're peeing okay so that was the loved ones from 2009 uh please join us next week we're going to do the uh, set in an office. I kind of remember seeing the trailer. Tim says it's wacky and I love it. It's the Belco experiment from 2016. Uh, going back to America with a lot of big actors. Uh, so, yeah. So that'll be next week. Uh, oh, something I did. I'll just talk about it now. No, I'll wait for Tim to get back. I'll do this real quick. Um Please check out our website, slumberpodcastmassacre.com. Uh, shoot us an email, slumberpodcast at gmail.com. A uh, huge thank to our patrons. You help make this show possible. Uh, please uh, shoot us a review and a rating on uh, your podcast listening application of choice, be it uh, iTunes, Google, Spotify, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was going to say, I had a friend, uh, super fan, Cole, listener who uh, suggested we should do like a, a year in review, like what uh, the big movies from the year we liked, Mm -hmm. which I was like, that's a great idea. And then I was like, did I watch any like that came out this year? (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Which I don't think you really did either. No. So I was thinking that might be something we could uh, subconsciously do. Uh, We don't have to make it a point like, Hey, let's both watch this new movie. But I'm going to make an effort to watch new horror. Uh, I mean, definitely I'll be seeing. We saw the trailer for uh, Ty West's new movie, X. I'll yeah. definitely be seeing that. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to make like an effort this year to watch more new horror. And then uh, if we're, st- I'm sure we'll still be doing this. Well, maybe, next year. Maybe, the, maybe the question for your friend is, does it have to be this year? Like, because we could do a yearly roundup of 1981, like right. all day long. <laughs> yeah. The best of 81. Uh, yeah, no, I like that idea. Hey, the there's there's still a yeah, lot. I of- love the Suicide Squad. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. We sort of broke the mold with that one. So, uh, yeah. Well, I, but no, there is there is still a lot of really great horror being made now. Yeah. In fact, it might I mean, even. I saw like even though I was, I was thinking about it and I was like, well. I never watched Malignant because there were people who were like, let's watch Malignant. And then that never came together. Yeah. So I just need to watch that by myself. Uh, I went and saw Lamb, which I thought was going to be a horror movie. Yeah. It was not a horror movie at all. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, well, even my attempts to watch new horror this right. year kind of crash and burn. So, But I will make more of an attempt this year to watch 
horror released in 2022. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, we'll give Cole what he wants. I, I like that idea. I really do. Yeah. That'll, I mean, you know, those, those golden age slashers will always be there for us whenever right. we want to. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm all for that. Okay. Just something to think about. Something to do. Uh okay so yeah next week Belco experiment great uh Tim you got anything else to say about the loved ones well just n- nothing other than like literally because she did have her dolls in like a state of intercourse that somebody could have easily said to throw another Barbie on the Barbie <laughs> <laughs> so there's that yeah I'm just gonna say. <laughs> You're great with dialects. That was the worst it accent was. I've ever heard you say in my life. Bar- <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know why I keep going to East Coast. Barbie. Yeah, why weren't there Boston accents in this movie? All right. All right. Well, that's it. All right, Tim. I'll see you next week. See Goodbye. Next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.